Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Welcome in, Titan fans. I am feeling a little bit better. I'm sorry for my lack of energy the past few podcasts. But today we are going to be reviewing the offense. Uh, Defense kind of did their uh, business as usual, so we didn't get into them as much. But we really sunk our teeth into the offense and what we thought. We kind of looked at the bills. And, uh, you know, Justin had a little announcement later in the podcast. But hope you enjoy. Kick back, relax, and let's get started. When Roger got here, there was a lot of, hey, zone run left behind Taylor and Roger mm-hmm. with Derek. You feel like, let's go with that? Yeah, I think we should run zone left. I think we should run zone right. I think we should run, you know, inside zone left and inside zone right and maybe some power. Uh, we'll do some five-man protections, some six-man protections, maybe some seven-man protections. Um, I think the receivers will go out on routes and Marcus will throw the ball sometimes and sometimes they'll hand it off. So. Uh, that's a that's a top-notch question there, Paul. All right, all right. We watched some footage. What do you think? We watched some footage? Yeah. Yeah, we got some footage to talk about. Yeah, buddy. Where should we start? Let's start with the offense because it was an offensive game and I had faith they were going to score some points even though you didn't. Yeah, um, you got me on that one. <laughs> so let's go ahead and look at the offense. I think that's what we all want to sink our teeth into. Defense, once again, played stellar, and we'll get to them in the second half, but let's go ahead and dig in. Yeah, offense is way more exciting. It's more fun to talk about, and people are usually more interested in it. So let's start there. Um, Mariota, Marcus Mariota. Freaking welcome back, right? <laughs> Is it though? Welcome back. I don't know. Here's the thing. So I had uh, we had specific requests to look at how often Mariota was cycling through his reads uh, in this game, or versus how often he was just throwing to his first read because it was actually open. Whereas against a much better defense like the Jags defense, his first read usually wasn't as open, so he. Maybe that was why he was holding the ball, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. People wanted to look at that. I think that's a fair point to consider. And I don't think it should be taken as criticism for Mariota because I do think he played really well. And if your first read's open, you're supposed to throw to your first read. So this isn't a criticism. But we are looking long-term still, and we want to know, we want to answer the question, is Marcus Mariota the guy? So before we dive into Mariota's stats and performance in this game, in which, again, I want to say he played very well. If he plays like this every game, He will get an extension. But, James, after four games, a quarter of the season, is the answer on Mariota any clearer than it was four weeks ago? No. And just like the Miami Mariota, Ryan Tannehill, who was with the Dolphins for a while, kind of showed flashes, kind of didn't, they really just didn't know. I think we're at the same point with Mariota. And, I mean, what, two good games, two bad games, whether people want to put it on the play calling or the players or the offensive line, whatever, that's I'm 
five different play callers. We've had success one year. We've had success with other games. We've had bad games. It's just too inconsistent for me. I, even then, I don't want to say that we have an answer because, you know, let's give it another four games. But exactly the way that it's looking now, I mean, franchise tag him, draft a quarterback in the first round, kind of see what happens. In the first round. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'm at this point because, okay, you have Mariota, he's franchise tagged, you have him for another year, let him play out, and you have a rookie sitting on the bench for a year. Mariota doesn't work out next year, then we have a rookie ready to go right behind him. All right. I'm I'm kind of with you. I mean, look, we said we'd give him a season for a reason because through four games, we still don't know. But through four games, he's been pretty much the same-ish guy he's been for four years. He's had good games and bad games. So I don't know if if the what you want to see is happening yet. Obviously, the progression from week three to week four was great, but the regression that got you to week three in the first place is... The whole reason we're even talking about this. So, anyway, let's talk about the progression because he was very good in this game, particularly against the Blitz. Marcus Mariota, 8 for 13 for 116 yards, and all three touchdowns came against the Blitz. And just from an accuracy standpoint, according to No Checkdowns, the, the new Twitter account that Kean Fay is running, Mariota was the most accurate quarterback in week four, throwing 95.1% of his passes accurately. So I thought Mariota was very good in this game. Um, as far as cycling to his second and third reads, though, in the first half, which is when he did the majority of his damage, he only threw eight passes in the second half and only completed four, um, a few throwaways too. So in the first half, he, as far as I could tell, he only really had to ever cycle to his second read on a play where he completed the pass maximum twice. One of them was um, the pass to Adam Humphreys on a third down. That was a really nice throw on the sideline. And the other one was the deep pass to AJ Brown, AJ Brown's third catch, um, the deep pass to him, Mariota. It's not necessarily a second read, but he does have to read what the corners and safeties are, are doing because the Titans are running a, the Yankee concept where the one receiver on the outside crosses on a post and the other receiver runs underneath on like a deep drag. Um, slash shallower post and both all three everyone on the defense just ignored AJ Brown and went with Corey Davis so it wasn't like a difficult read but anyway those are the only two plays where he really had to cycle that he completed a pass on there was one play where he he cycled through all three reads and then he came back to Corey Davis and then he scrambled out of the pocket and threw an incomplete pass to I think it was Deion Lewis on the sideline and I just thought that he could have probably probably thrown it to Corey Davis on that play. But that was really my only nitpick, and that's a big nitpick. So I thought overall, if we get this Mariota every week, if we get a guy who can beat the Blitz this consistently, then you're going to be you're gonna be successful, and he's going to be here for a while. And I'm okay with that. Um, but kind of like that cycle I had put up where, you know, he has a bad game, we make excuses, he has a good game, and then we hope again. And then it just keeps cycling over and over and over again. We're in the constant state of 9-7. and seven. But I'm going to have to see two to three more games in a row of what he showed us Sunday to actually be in at this point. I've always been a Mariota fan. But now that we're kind of on the cusp of whether we re-sign him or not, I'm really not at that point yet. Right. So we just have to hope this continues, and until then, we're in the hope phase, and if 
the next bad game crops up. Now let's set expectations where they should be because the Buffalo Bills have a really good defense. Right. And they so, held Tom Brady to 16 points. Yeah. And six of those, seven of those points, was it six points or seven points, came on a punt, punt block return for a touchdown. So, yeah, seven. So, I mean, so, yeah, nine points. So let's keep our expectations in check. If Mariota can avoid the turnovers in this game and, and convert on third down more often than not, then that'll be successful against the Bills' defense where the Titans could win this game 13-10. to 10 with. He just has to be better than Josh Allen. Is that the hardest thing? Or Matt, Bar- or Matt Barkley, whoever plays. Right. I think I saw Josh Allen was practicing today, no? That's how the thing works. So he has to practice on Wednesday, and then he'll see an independent neurologist on Thursday. And if he clears his test with the independent neurologist, then he'll be cleared. But if the independent neurologist says, whoa, 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 you still have a concussion. Don't go back to practice. Then he has to wait another week. Hmm. Okay. So we'll find um, out on Thursday. Well, if you're a Titans fan, you're pulling for Josh Allen, who had more completions to the Patriots last week than he did his own team. So Before getting hurt. Right. Or suffering a concussion. Yeah. So, oh well, who knows? Maybe that knocks him into throwing it to his actual team. Surprisingly, the Bills' run defense has not been very good. If you look at the uh, Football Outsiders, does what they called uh, their their DVOA, which is measures your uh, performance against a weighted average of the rest of the league defense defense adjusted value over average. According to DVOA, which is thought to be a more precise statistic than basic yards allowed or whatever. Buffalo is 25th against the run and fourth in, uh, or sorry, sixth in overall DVOA. So their pass, their third run 25th. I think this could be a Derrick Henry game. It needs to be, especially with the game they had against the Falcons. Exactly. In that game, the Titans were able to use Derrick Henry the way that fans always talk about. And it seems kind of like a, like a fantasy way to use him where in the fourth quarter, when you have a lead, you just run Derrick Henry down the other team's throats and grind out the clock. And the Titans were able to run a nearly six minute drive, just giving it to Derrick Henry, like almost every play in the fourth quarter. And he finished with a hundred yards on 27 carries, which is a below four yards per carry average. So like people are going to say it's bad, but really it was a successful game. Those many of those yards um, came like I said, in the fourth quarter when the Falcons were loading up to stop the run and they were still getting enough to get first downs constantly. So <laughs> Titans can take that approach against Buffalo if they can if they can get out to a lead and or hold a lead in the fourth quarter. I don't know if the Bills' run defense is equipped to stop Henry. For the love of God, stop putting Deion Lewis on the field. Please. Please. Anybody Deion Lewis, he has not been effective. <laughs> And I don't know if you remember last year, Derrick Henry had 11 carries for 56 yards against the Bills, um, which he was having a really good game. Deion Lewis had 12 carries for 34 yards against the Bills. So this is last year, different teams, different everything. But, I mean, come on. <laughs> don't take it out of Henry's hands. Learn your lesson. I I don't know. It it seems like everything, especially with the past past teams uh, with the Titans. It's like, okay, they should do this going in and they do the complete opposite and then we lose. So I'm going to remain optimistic. Uh, Art Smith and Vrabel both seem like smart guys and they should give the ball to Derrick Henry. 
And Mariota just needs to not commit any turnovers, um, make a play when we need it, and we can win this game. Speaking of Arch Smith, the last thing I want to touch on before we go to break is the offensive play calling in this game, because I thought there were really good moments and really questionable moments. Um, I'm going to start with the questionable moments. In fact, I would call this outright bad. The naked bootleg is a questionable play to begin with because you're relying on the end man on the line of scrimmage on the defense to crash against the run. And when you're a bootleg team or a play-action-heavy team or even just a team with a mobile quarterback, more often than not, the defense is going to prepare for the quarterback's rollout because it's a threat. So to call four naked boots in this game against a defensive front that not only was is already going to be expecting it, but is actually aligned with wide nine edge rushers on like run down, like early downs, you are not going to succeed. I don't know if this is a case of just Art Smith calling it and giving Mariota a check and Mariota not seeing the wide nine ends, or if it's just the call is the call. I mean, after the first two, I'll give you one. I'll maybe give you two. How do you do it any more times than that? I don't understand. Well, it's bound to work at some point, right? (laughs) No, it is not bound to work. Um, so those plays were just complete wasted plays. I mean, Mario had to throw the ball away instantly. The first, the second play, um, the second play after the Corey Davis pass and after the Derrick Henry run. The next play was it, it just kind of a play action that Mariota throws it really poorly to Adam Humphreys, and on the broadcast it looks like just a bad, inaccurate throw. But really, it's a naked boot that two guys are able to blow up, and it just happens so quick, and that Mariota just throws it away so quick that it looks like an inaccuracy. But it's really just a naked boot being blown up again. So, But that was the first one. That was the very first one. And it was kind of a different look. It was a shotgun boot, um, but still. And then they did it three more times, and it didn't work any time. Now, I want to talk about some good calls that were just bad execution. Um, The screens. The screens to Deion Lewis. They're not necessarily bad calls, but on the first one especially, they lost three yards on the first third down. Like, there's just no... The linemen, honestly... They're not blocking anyone. Jack Conklin is stuck on his block too long um, at the original snap point instead of getting out to the right to block. Ben Jones is like staring back at the quarterback, like just, I don't know, expecting him to get sacked or something. And then he sees that he's not sacked and he turns around and like runs way downfield instead of trying to block the quarterback that is literally coming up to make the tackle. And no one else even like tries. So I don't know what the heck is going on with the screen game, but that it's not necessarily the play calling. It's just the execution has been brutally bad. Well, the first problem is they're giving it to Deion Lewis. And I do think that the screen game to Deion Lewis is pretty bad. Granted, anytime they try to get a screen to Derrick Henry, he seems to drop it. So uh, hopefully we see improvement with that. Uh, I want to start seeing some screens to A.J. Brown after watching him run that, what, 55-yard touchdown? So, yeah, I mean... Maybe he's kind of like Derrick Henry where you got to get him going a little bit, but he seems like he can get some yak and then you put him up against a corner and just expect him to beat a corner on a screen. I kind of trust A.J. Brown to do that. That's not a bad point, but I just want to say, like, the Deion Lewis screens, like, 
there's an idea floating around that because Deion Lewis is in the game, the defense knows they're just going to pass it to him. And I think that's like true to some extent. But also those screens are potentially there if the linemen can get moving and actually try to make a block. So it's not necessarily bad. And Deion Lewis has been effective with the ball in his hands when he can get going a little bit. I mean, he's broken some tackles. Like, he hasn't looked good in a while. But, I mean, I wouldn't just say it's all bad just because it's Deion Lewis. Look. If, anyway. if we give Deion Lewis another screen, I'm going to break my TV. Like, get ready to break your TV then, because Deion Lewis is definitely going to get another screen at some point in the season. Um, but I do want to talk about A.J. Brown, too, quickly. The good calls in this game, the quick passing game. Marcus Mariota, um, through the first three weeks of the season, Mike, uh, Mike Herndon Mike, at Mike Miracles tweeted this out. Through the first three weeks of the season, Mariota was averaging the fourth longest time in the pocket at over three seconds to throw. In week four, he averaged the third least amount of time in the pocket at only 2.4 seconds to throw. That is a huge adjustment by the Titans. That is a great sign for the future. Shows ability to self-scout and correct. I don't know if it was a game plan specific thing. I hope not, um, unless Taylor Lewan coming back really makes a huge difference. I think it's a game plan, or sorry, I think it's a long-term like, overall strategy improvement here hopefully we start seeing this more often the quick passing game was really on point in this game and especially against the blitz i mentioned earlier the best part about those blitz calls were that they gave the receivers the opportunity to take advantage of their one-on-one matchups especially on both of the second two touchdowns the one to aj brown on the outside brown runs such a good route the way that he's able to create space at the very top of his route as the defensive back tries to get hands on Brown. Brown is able to swat his hands away so effortlessly and create space at the catch point while tracking the ball over his outside shoulder, catching it perfectly and dragging his feet inbounds. What an amazing play for the for the rookie. AJ Brown, I'm very excited about. And then the other touchdown throw to Corey Davis was probably the best play of the game. As you pointed out to me before we started recording, it gave the Titans the 14-point lead that was pretty much the thing that allowed them to control the rest of the game. And Marcus Mariota's pocket movement, as soon as he catches the ball, he slides to his left. Deion Lewis picks up the blitz perfectly. Mariota throws the ball before Corey Davis is even close to his break, and it's like a long break to the out route. And Corey Davis turns around, the ball is like in his lap, like an extended handoff. Like, And then Davis slips the tackle and runs to the end zone. It's such a, such a great, like watching those types of plays gives you so much hope for the future. And lastly, the best call of the, of the game, in my opinion, was great execution as well. On third and 15, the Falcons were sitting in their like sticks defense where they put like six or seven defensive backs all right at the third down marker and different like covering different areas. The Titans were prepared for this look because the Falcons have shown it all season and they had the perfect play call, a little underneath pass to Corey Davis that gives him the amount of yak, like the perfect opportunity to get yak Davis executed it excellently, diving forward to make sure he got the first down, protecting the ball. What a brilliant play. That play ended up leading to A.J. Brown's second touchdown. So a lot of good, a lot of good in the play calling. You just got to cut out the the questionable things that don't make any sense. Um, I agree. Take it away. And that, that's <laughs> kind of uh, something that Arthur Smith is going to have to learn throughout the season. Um I remember it was Dan Orlovsky saying it takes, what, 10 weeks, 11 weeks for an offense to really start clicking. 
especially if it's 18 months 18 months that's what he said. No, nah, ain't nobody got time for that. Okay, Arts Fan needs to start <laughs> learning right now. <laughs> uh, he was talking about Matt LaFleur's offense specifically. Yeah. So Okay. Well, yeah, with LaFleur's offense, you got to do calculus before you get out of the huddle. So Yeah, that offense was completely broken. Hey. Yep. that internal clock of understanding how the play is supposed to develop you know do we have max protection are we looking to get the ball down the field further or is this ball need to come out as an intermediate pass and so um, first down will be critical staying on track again this week will be critical okay we're gonna do the defense in five minutes <laughs> five how many is that too long that too long yeah all right, the defense played great in this game. They did a lot of mixing up of coverages. Um, they didn't do a whole lot of disguising, but they were mixing it up between man and zone. Um, there were really only two plays that the defense gave up that were like big, bad plays. One of them was the pass interference against Logan Ryan, which I thought was questionable. And the other one was the play right after that, a deep pass to Austin Hooper that eventually led to the Falcons' only touchdown in this game. Um was just a miscommunication. It looks like Malcolm Butler expects Jayon Brown to run with the seam route, and then Brown stays with the underneath option, and so Butler's kind of like reacting late, and he has a lot of given a lot of space to Hooper, and you can see them communicating after the play where Butler's like motioning, like pointing at himself and pointing upfield, like, am I supposed to take the seam on that or something? So I don't know what that was, but they obviously got it corrected quickly because they held the Falcons to 10 points. They got a lot of pressure on Matt Ryan, Everyone from Cam Wake, Jarrell Casey, Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans, Reggie Gilbert, Jayon Brown, and Isaiah Mack, all those guys were effective in the in the pass rush game, along with others. Um, Logan Ryan played great outside of that one pass interference penalty, which, again, I thought was questionable. He did a great job uh, in the run game as well, coming up from his slot corner position and making tackles in the backfield. He had 10 tackles in the game. So defense, I mean, what more can you say? Dean Pease has been great since he got here. The defense has been one of the best in the NFL this season. If they could stop giving up uh, early touchdowns to the uh, other team in the first half of the first quarter, they would be one of the best defenses in the NFL, maybe the best. So if they can figure that situation out, other than that, I don't have much else to say. I thought they were just excellent. Yeah, and they're really hiding a lot of deficiencies on offense. Um I think if his defense was bad, I don't know where we would be right now. That's um, right. Mike pointed out, Mike Herndon again pointed out, the Titans' average starting field position is what, first in the NFL? <laughs> and the average defense starting field position is like third best or something like that? Yeah, um, Brett Kern. Brett Kern's doing his job uh, helping the defense, setting up the defense well, and then the defense is doing its job setting up the offense well. So it's all it's a cycle and it's working very well. I will say I really like some of the personnel things the Titans are doing. They because the Falcons are a huge eleven personnel team, they play so much eleven personnel that puts the Titans in their nickel personnel more often than not. Which means, um, which I think the Titans prefer to be in that personnel. It has a Dory Jackson and Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan all on the field, and along with Kevin Byard and Kenny Vaccaro. So when the Falcons were in early down situations in their tight punch formations and stuff in eleven personnel that the Titans were matching with their nickel, they would have. Kenny Vaccaro dropping down to play like a will linebacker next to Evans and Jayon. 
and they would have um, Logan Ryan drop back to that like strong safety or like in the box strong safety kind of position, while Bayard is like a free roamer in the back. So they're using these guys interchangeably or all around the defense to to stay matched up with personnel and formation. And it's just a really cool use of the of the guys that out there. So and it's working. So I was kind of uncomfortable with the amount of the yards that they gave up to Austin Hooper, but do you think that was more of because they were trying to stop the receivers that the Falcons have? Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out, actually, because one other thing I did notice was they were giving up uh, the middle of the field to Hooper because the linebackers kept drifting to the outside to stay underneath and bracket mostly Julio, but also a little bit on Calvin Ridley, too. Um but they were really floating attention to Julio, and uh, you saw that happening, and I think that's what allowed guys like Austin Hooper to make some plays in this game and ultimately pile up what I think was kind of meaningless yardage. Like The Titans were content to let Austin Hooper have those yards over the middle, um, and the defense did so well getting off the field on fourth down, which was crucial, that they were able to, to survive. And I think that's an interesting decision that they probably made intentionally was who are you going to let beat you Julio Jones or Austin Hooper like you know I don't think that's that was that hard for them so I'll take that though. yeah yeah so but cool look forward to this bill games you had any I know you hate predictions but what do you think I think that if the Titans want to be for real this season they have to win this game and I'm just gonna go reverse course of where I was last week and ride the high of this victory from Sunday and predict that the Titans kind of crush them. Okay. Not crush them, but like 20 to 10. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm kind of right there. I'm going to say 17 to 10. I think Derrick Henry's going to have two touchdowns, 130 yards. Um, start uh, Derrick Henry, according to James. Yep, start Derrick Henry. Um, At James on Sunday, if you started Derrick Henry and he doesn't perform for you, it's James's fault. Just remember that. Right. At South Texas Titan, you can add me. And follow. And follow. Hopefully follow. But. Quick announcement. So I'm going out of town. Um, I'll be gone for Sunday's game. So I'm not, we're not going to be able to do a podcast on Sunday or any more days this week leading up to Sunday. So we are going to come back on Monday with a recap episode instead. And also I'm going to be in Austin on Sunday. And I don't know if anyone is in Austin, but... I'm going to find a Pluckers to watch the Titans game at. So if anyone wants to try to meet up there, that would be cool. I'd be down for that. So I'm going to tweet about that. Or or you could Uh come to San Antonio. Me or? Yeah. You're talking about me? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Or you guys could go to San Antonio. Yeah, for sure. Either way. Cool. Alrighty, that'll do it. I don't want to talk anymore. Follow him at Justin or well, at Titans Film Room. You can follow me at South Texas Titan. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast. And we love you.